if you can, um, can I invite you to stand with me? Teach us to number our days. This is the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 90. And um, I just want to honor the reading of God's word in our key text for this series. We've been doing this now every week since we started this series. This is week four. And so some of you might know this one by heart um, already. And if not, you can join us and let's read it together. It's up on the screen for us. Ready? Three, two, one. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Father God. Um, we're just so thankful to be in, in your presence together, in this house together. We love you. Um, we love our church family. God, we just ask that you would come and interrupt our day today and, and just <laughs> speak directly to our spirit, man. Um, God, we're so thankful for your word to us and how much you love us. And God, so we fully expect that when you speak, Lord, uh, I, I pray that you would use me as a vessel this morning, that when you speak, that um, we would walk away from here transformed by your word. Uh, different as a result of hearing it. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated, thank you. So teach us to number our days. And so that's what we're doing, kicking off this new year together. And we're just trying to get new perspective on our journey around the sun this year, which is our 584 million mile journey that we're on. And we're making a little progress on our journey. So far, we've traveled 31 days, if you've been keeping track, um, which comes to, if you want to do the math, 50.9 million miles that we've traveled in 2021 already, right here in Rapid City, going around the sun. So you're doing pretty good, and you're, you're hanging in there, and we're making some tracks, but now it's time to start asking the question, and actually it's a question we've been um, asking probably almost every week we've been doing this, what do I want to see changed in my life, um, through my life on this trip? And so, because we're already covering some ground, right? And, and so as we learn this principle to number our days when April comes or when fall comes around, you know, uh, later on this year, we're going to realize, wow, another year has almost gone by. We know how fast that goes, right? And, and we want to ask the question, did I realize the God potential and the possibility that's, that's mine, that I hold on to? Because I'm walking with God and he's given me an invitation to walk with him, which is amazing. He, we can rest in him. We can walk with him. We can be with him. And God can do a lot in my life in a year's time. Amen? And so it's awesome to be on that trip, and I hope we're getting some new perspective. In fact, um, I, I don't know about you, but as, a, as we've been going in this series, I've been, all the, all the news stories about everything that's happening in space exploration and, um, you know, interplanetary stuff and stuff, it's been catching my eye. And so Monday, this came across my, uh, my feed, and there was some pretty cool news about the exploration that we're getting ready to do on our neighbor planet, Mars. So check this video out. Um, we're going to Mars. Uh, the planet Earth is sending, uh, we the people are sending, uh, we have that video ready? We're sending, we're sending this thing to Mars. And it, um, this is NASA's Perseverance rover, it's called. It's gonna be carrying an extra passenger. And it's going on February 18th, so just a couple weeks out from now. Uh, scheduled to land on Mars. And so what you're seeing there is the Mars helicopter named Ingenuity. Did I say it right? Ingenuity. <laughs> it weighs about four pounds. 
and it's being described as a small but mighty passenger. Its mission will be the first attempt at a powered and controlled flight on the Red Planet, according to NASA. And from my understanding, it's actually the first attempt at a controlled flight ever on another planet. So this is pretty cool. The reason that ingenuity has to be so light is because Mars's atmosphere is so light. In fact, Mars' atmosphere is only 1% of that of Earth in comparison. And so this is high-tech stuff. And um, what they're hoping is that if that little guy is successful in its test run, you know, coming up in a couple of weeks, is that it, it opens up a lot of possibilities for future space exploration. And then, you know, where it goes from there, it's like to infinity and beyond, right? <laughs> that's, that's where we're going. And so kind of cool, huh? And, and so if we take a look at that, and we take a look at, you know, just the expanse of, of this universe that we live in. And we put it back into perspective of all that we've been talking about. It just helps us to remember before we get up on our high horse and start to go into this big fanfare about our lives, we've got to remember that we're living on a tiny mote of dust suspended in a, in a sunbeam, traveling at 67,000 miles per hour around the sun on this journey that's going to take all of 2021 to complete. And so the psalmist Moses is saying we've got to number our days and we've got to keep remembering the perspective of life that is ours. And, and, and I think this morning what we want to do is we want to realize this is the conversation we're having this morning. We're not on a solo trip, but we're all in this together. Pastor Derek leaned into this beautifully, uh, for, so nicely for us last week. So we could just give him some applause and thank you for that. Um, he shared this, his um, message titled, We Are the Body. And I love how, I don't know if you noticed this or not, and he says he did, wasn't even thinking this way when he put this together, but how he used a body of stars in the opening of the message last week to introduce this theme. I was actually watching from the airport terminal in DC. I was on my way back um, after some surgery last week. And so I got to, I caught the last half of the message last week from airport terminal, um, I don't remember where I was, but it, it was, I was sitting in my chair, a little bit uncomfortable. I've still got my binding on around my waist this morning. I'm still healing up. I'm nine days out from surgery. I'm doing well. But I was, that day, I was still a little bit uncomfortable. And, but I loved, I loved to be able to be a part of the service that way. Um, so the title I, I gave this morning's message is Traveling Together. We're, we're not going on this trip alone, and I'm not going on this trip alone. So there are seven plus billion of us, right, going on this trip around the sun together, and we're adding to our number every single minute of the day. And I was, I was thinking about it, coming in and out of surgery centers and hospitals this last week, there, there's a lot of people, you know, having babies. And um, in fact, you know, Pastor Donnie, you know, congratulations to the Waldrop family, new baby this morning. I've, I, 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 supposedly we were getting texts at 8.07 this morning um, and uh, I didn't receive them until in between the services or I didn't get to see them until in between. For, yeah, a, so it's a grandbaby. Yes, yeah, so you, you want me to be clear on that, okay. <laughs> she, she got a, a call to, and jumped out of bed at some, somewhere around six o'clock this morning and just got there just in time. So she's, she's happy this morning. Um, so, but have any of you been to the hospital lately, Monument maybe, when, you know, there's people having babies and, and that's happening, that's going on. I mean, we were there, it's been a few years now. <laughs> um, but you get in line 
and you get in the queue, right? And you say your hellos, and then you're like, you get out because there's a line of people waiting to get in behind you and they don't have enough beds, right? That's the way it was almost every time that, that we went in um, to have our kids. Um, and so I checked out the statistics for 2018. That's the newest data I could find here in South Dakota. There were 11,890 births to South Dakota residents in 2018. So if you, you, you do the math there, that averages to about 34 new passengers a day just in South Dakota. 34 new babies a day just in South Dakota. In America, we had uh, four, around 4 million babies going to be born this year, is what's predicted. Globally, 140 million babies. So that comes to around 300 babies a minute being born on our planet. 300 a minute. So that's equivalent. If you want to uh, you know, bring it down to S- South Dakota, again, something that we're familiar with, that's equivalent to the population of Sioux Falls multiplied by 760 <laughs> being added to our trip around the sun this year. So that's a lot of people coming on the trip with us, right? And there's already a lot of people on the trip with us. So it's not a solo trip and we're all traveling together. And so here's the kicker. At least Half of the people on the trip with you, millions and millions of people disagree with you. <laughs> when it comes to your deeply held beliefs and values, and, and so, but we're traveling together, and that's our reality. And we are on this tiny, fragile planet hurling through space together with every reason to divide. And we've seen a country divided, and we've seen people groups divided, and we've seen that. But my question this morning is this. Is it possible at the end of this 584 million mile trip around the sun that we could be more united at the end of this trip? Or is it just a foregone conclusion that we're gonna be more divided? And maybe the biggest question of the day, what if the answer to that question depends on you? What if it depends on me? So I was doing a lot of thinking as I was preparing for the talk this week, and I actually had something else prepared, which I was supposed to be sharing last weekend. Um, and then the, uh, surgery kind of slowed me down a little bit. And as Providence had it, Pastor Derek um, started us down this road of talking about us. And it's, it's one that I wanted to continue on today. I believe it was very Holy Spirit directed. And as I'm thinking about us over this past week, all traveling together on this planet, it dawned on me, maybe it was because of, you know, going under the knife this last week, uh, you know, being in that position, I, I, it dawned on me how close people are buried together when they die, how close together they are. And I thought to myself, we all die together. And this is what Psalm 90 says, you know, we all take a last breath and then it's done, right? And, and, and when we're buried, at least for our physical bodies, our bodies, and when we're buried, we're all buried together and we're kind of scrunched up right next to each other. And you'll probably be next to your husband or your wife or maybe on a family plot. But do you know who has a plot next to your family's plot? Or what about the the plot that's, you know, kitty corner across from that? And all of a sudden, a lot of us who may have been at odds in life are all buried side by side and we all die together and we're buried close together. So the question this morning is, is, is it possible that in life that we could move closer to understand each other while we still have breath? And we can be agents of change to bring more unity into the world on this journey than more division in the world on this journey. If the answer to that question depended on me, what if it depended on me? What if it was just me? Would we be more divided or more united at the end of this trip? If the answer to that question was on me, 
In other words, could I invest my life this year in creating, you know, the common good and can I invest some of my time to work towards the welfare of, of all people on planet Earth? Um, and could I see myself this year as a peacemaker? There have been a lot of pictures um, taken from the International Space Station of some really beautiful views of Earth and, um, and some beautiful views of our ozone layer, which is the picture I want to put up on the screen here. And so I think that one of the things that you hear when you hear um, astronauts when they're being interviewed about their experiences and they talk about how they're looking back at our planet, you know, as, as small as it can look like from where they're at, a lot of times you'll, t- you'll hear them talk about how stunned they are by how fragile our planet appears. And um, if, we, if we look at an image like this, for instance, that little blue line, that thin blue line that you see is our entire atmosphere in that tiny thin line. And it's the difference between life and death on planet Earth for us. And when, when you begin to realize how fragile the, this planet is, and we begin to know how fragile life is, it pauses and makes me think about when God put Adam in the Garden of Eden, right? And what did he say? He, he told him to tend and watch over it. And back in Genesis 2, God is capable, of course, of caring for this planet, but he asked us to steward it right? And so anyone who has ever tended a garden or, you know, picked up trash in the city or, you know, planted new trees has felt the joy of that task. So, you know, maybe in your travel book, you know, this year, you're writing down, you know, I think I can take the extra step to do better at recycling this year um, and stewarding this planet that we're living on. So we, we live on a fragile planet. But what I want to talk about this morning is the planet's not the only thing that's fragile. Humanity is fragile, and so we've, we've got to ask God to make us peacemakers in 2021. Can we do that? Can we ask God to make us peacemakers? I'm not, I'm not saying that we're going to all come to the end of our trip this year and it's going to be amazing because, you know, everybody on planet Earth, all 7 billion of us are going to agree on everything because we all know that that doesn't even happen when your family gets together for Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? In that small space. So when your extended family gets together, we don't even agree on everything in that setting. But it is part of human nature. God created us beautifully diverse. And and so we're going to see things in different ways. But is it just going to be this obvious conclusion that the world is going to be more divided at the end of this trip? Or is it possible that we could be more united at the end of this trip? And that's what I'm aiming at this morning. Um, There's a lot of scripture that speaks to us. So Lord, help us to see and hear from you this morning, amen. So I get that there's tension and there will be tension all the way through and there always will be and we can't resolve that tension but here's what we can do is we can change our tone. So let me put it this way. I am a believer in Jesus. I am a wholehearted believer in Jesus Christ and when I say that I don't just simply mean that he existed but I believe that you know, what he said and, and taught about himself is true And I believe what he taught and what he did with his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection is absolutely true. It saved my life. It forgave my debt, right? And it put me into a right relationship with God and changed every single thing about what I think about and how I see this world. And I'll tell you more about what I believe personally uh, about Jesus. I believe that Jesus did that for all people. And, And I believe that Jesus taught that it was a good plan for me to take his story and his grace and his goodness and his love to every single person on the planet earth. And so, in fact, that's, that's what he commissioned me to do. When he was raised from the dead and he ascended into heaven, he said, I will be with you even till the ends of, of, of the age. So take this message here and take it there and go with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm sending him with you. That's what he said to do. 
And so that's my deepest held belief. That's what I believe in. And Jesus changed my life. But when I say that, and you guys, you, you all know this, I'm distinguishing myself from millions of other people on this planet that I'm on this journey with because it's not a solo trip, right? And so we're all going on this trip together. And so the question isn't, do I have deeply held beliefs? Yes, I do. Very much so. The question is, what is my tone going to be with people who have differing beliefs than I? And what's my approach going to be? And the question is, you know, what's my method going to be as I live out my life? Because I want to see them come to know who Jesus is too. And so we, because there's a world that hasn't experienced the love of Jesus yet. And so they're on this trip with me. I can't change that. It's, it's who we are. We're beautifully diverse. And so I want to back down one step this morning. And I want to talk about our little travel group. That's, you know, in this room this morning and all of you that are watching online this morning, you know, inside of the larger group that's going on this trip around um, uh, the sun. Because the, the beauty of today is I think we've got an opportunity, us, our travel group, this group in here, that's better than everybody else's opportunity on planet Earth. I think we've got a shot at a win, honestly, in terms of being agents of peace and a unifying factor in our city and in our country and in the world, because we've got our community, and we're under one banner, under one name, and that name is Jesus Christ. And so that is our rally point, and that's, that's what we can gather together, and that, that name of Jesus, he's the headline. So we came as sons and daughters of God Almighty, the creator of the universe, under one great name this morning, in this place. And that, that, that doesn't mean we all agree. Not even in this room. So we've got to work out our challenges and our differences somehow. And the power of that Holy Spirit gives us to do that. And we spent a whole series on that back in the fall. One another on the subject before the election. Um, but, but here's the reality. You've got people that are sitting in this room who don't agree with you in terms of some of your deeply held values and beliefs. And so, I mean, in the bigger group, you know, the, the whole planet that's traveling, the whole group of us that are going around the sun... You know, there's, there's a lot of things that people are going to disagree with us on, right? Our beliefs, um, our ideology, our religion, our culture, um, spirituality, politics. But even in this room, even in this room, there are people of differing opinions. And what if I asked, you know, what if, what if we did this this morning and I asked for a raise of hands and I said, well, if you supported... And, and I asked you to raise your hand and you could just kind of feel the tension, right? Rise, rise up in the room, right? Am I right? And if we were to do that, some of us would be so ready to jump immediately to defend our side of the conversation because I'm ready to tell you why I'm right and I'm ready to tell you right now. And it's a sickness that we see in our culture. And so here's, here's what I want us to see. It's possible that we came here under the spirit of God in the name of Jesus, to gather as a family, and we sang songs of worship together, and we've been welcomed together, and we've met people that maybe we didn't know. We greeted each other, and we've been in, in, encouraged in our giving, and now we're opening up God's word together. And it's possible that there's someone sitting shoulder to shoulder with you who voted for someone that you despise. And you think you know which candidate I'm talking about when I just said that. We are divided on a lot of things. And yet there's something more powerful that unites us. 
And so that something gives us the possibility to be agents of change and to be peacemakers in this city and in this world. And so we have rallied around, the church has rallied around an axiom and a truth for a long, long time. um, And that is that the enemy divides, but Christ unites. Amen? The enemy is the author of division. That's who's the author of division. In fact, whenever there's division, you know the enemy is at work in that place. Now, some of you are like, oh, come on, Sean, what are you talking about? There's like somebody in a devil costume that's going to jump out behind every bush and every corner. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if there is division and things are being torn apart, you can bet that the real enemy is not somebody that's in a devil costume. But there is a real enemy, and he's the author of division. It's very real. He's been identified to us through Scripture. That he is in the middle of any place in your life where there's division right now. Satan is a great, he is, he is called the great divider. And so don't underestimate that. He divides families, he divides organizations, he divides churches. He divides races. He divides us from different parts of the city that we live in. He divides us politically. He tries to divide us based on our economic standing. He tries to get in anywhere and everywhere that he can. And he'll get in your own mind and divide that if you let him. A double-minded man cannot stand, right? He's a great divider. But listen, that's not where the axiom stops, right? Because Christ is our great uniter. He brings unity. In fact, Christ is the ultimate peacemaker for, for humanity. And that's what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter two. I absolutely love this. And I'll listen, look at what it says. It says, our reconciling peace is Jesus. It's who he is. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. The two most desperate, unlike each other, at each other's throats cultures in that time, in that place. He has made them one in Christ by dying as our sacrifice. He has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Listen, ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command and his triune essence has made peace between us By starting over, forming one new race of humanity, Jews and non-Jews fused together. Two have now become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ through his crucifixion. Listen, hatred died. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you, the ones who were distant and to those who are near. And now because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So in our darkest hour, you and me, talking about you and me, in our darkest time, Christ came to be the ultimate peacemaker for us, right? Because uh, through the cross, he made peace with God for you and me. And through that same cross, I believe, is the real hope of us having peace with one another. And that doesn't mean that we don't have distinctives. That doesn't mean, um, you know, we're not from different places. It doesn't mean that we have different skin color or different backgrounds or different family histories. It doesn't mean that we're not who we are. It just means that Christ has done something greater that's above all of that. So he didn't just give us a certificate to get into heaven, but he actually brought us back to life as a new creation, sons and daughters of the king of the universe. And he's saying, that's the lens and the perspective that I want you to have on this trip. You want to gain a heart of wisdom, count them and number your days that you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Let's start with there because he was the ultimate peacemaker. 
where the enemy divided, Christ came and united us back to God. And at the same cross, he unites us or has the potential to unite us to each other. So listen to the way that Paul described it. Um, In the culture of his day that he was writing to, a lot of people didn't have the rights that should have been afforded to them in the time frame that he was writing to. And so he's writing to, he's writing to the potential of this culture right here. So listen to this. This is what he says, Galatians chapter three, verse 26. You have all become true children of God by faith in Jesus, the anointed one. It was faith that immersed you in Jesus, the anointed one. And now you are covered and clothed in his anointing. And we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew and non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. Now he's speaking specifically into a culture where women didn't have the same rights, not even in close, that were afforded to men. And he said, it's not that way in the kingdom of God. A woman has the exact same opportunity by faith in the kingdom to become every single thing that a man can. Because when Christ made peace through his cross, that peace was equal. Whether you are the boss or the servant or, or whether you're Jew or Greek or male or female, guess what? We're all on even ground at the foot of the cross. We're valued, we're called, we're invited, we're saved, we're anointed, we're blessed by God to become fully what he has for us. He says it another way in Colossians chapter three, same idea, different angle. He says this, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed. So there's a process that's happening to me being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In other words, I'm not just moving on my trip around the sun this year going, well, I'm so-and-so and and I'm from so-and-so and I grew up, you know, in this house and I grew up in this family and I grew up with these values and I grew up with this kind of understanding. So that's who I am and that's how I do my life. No, I was who I was, but now... Here's the new perspective that I'm walking into. I've been made alive by the peace of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so I'm a brand new creation in him. And I'm constantly putting on a new man. I'm constantly being renewed. It's a process in my knowledge into the very likeness of my God. That is my perspective. And I step into the tension of what it means to be on a trip with all of us traveling together in this global trip that we're on. And that's got to be the perspective of our faith community inside of these walls. And for those of you that are watching online, that we are putting on Christ. The big question for us today, have we put on the new self? Have we put on the new self? Or are you on this trip still holding on to the old you because you're convinced that what you know about you is true? Can I just say that I stand here this morning and I've got so much transforming to do. It's me. I've got me. I've got so much transforming to do yet into the, to, the, to be closer into the image and likeness of God. I'm in process. And I know what's true about me. And um, if what's true about me is true about you, there's no shot at us being more united at the end of this trip, right? Because we're fallen. But, you know, th- th- we look at this message and it's somehow, this is some kind of, unreachable pie in the sky ideal, but it's not of me, right? If we are putting on Christ, 
and we're being renewed in Christ and our knowledge is being renewed, we've got a powerful potential to be distinctive from just my own purposes and my plans and to be different maker, difference makers in this world. <laughs> so what does that look like? I think it looks like a few goals that we might set and that's, that's what we're gonna spend the rest of the time on this morning. And maybe one of these would, would be something that you would write down in your travel guide um, because it's time for us to start writing some stuff down. If you, if you haven't yet, it's the 31st of January, guys, and we're starting, we started this series off um, this year by encouraging everybody not to rush into New Year's resolutions, but instead having, you know, write down, listen to the voice of God and, and write down what he's speaking to you. And I believe maybe a few of these things this morning, maybe one, at least one of them would be on that list. And so how do we navigate this new reality of Christ in this trip that we're on together? Number one, we have to start with human dignity. And we have to offer that to every single person on this planet. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Sean? Because you know, anybody can go and co-opt those words. And what do you mean when you say human dignity? I mean, we've got to start with human dignity. We've got to respect human dignity. And let me let scripture define it for us this morning. What I mean by that is Colossians 1.16, where the word of God says, all things were made by him and for him. That means that everybody on this trip was made by and for God. And that has to be my starting point with every single person that I meet or come across. You are valuable because you were made by and for God in the same image and likeness that I was created, you were created and we both share in that dignity of the imago Deo, the image of God that is in every single one of us. You can agree to disagree, and you're probably going to have to on this trip, but you cannot take a step towards any resolution unless you see the person on the other side of the conversation as someone who has value in the eyes of God, who is made in the image and the likeness of God, and who deserves the respect of that dignity of the image of God. Think about it this way if you have to. I, I know that I didn't deserve a chance with God. I didn't. I, Christ came and made peace with me through the cross. I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. In fact, I'm the reason why there had to be a process in the first place. Sit, sit and chew on that for just a bit. And then add in all the tensions that we're talking about. Add in all the all the, there's a whole lot of, of tension in our culture, in our world right now, the, all, a lot of us versus, versus them kind of stuff that's going on. And I would expect that from the larger collective, the larger group of us that are traveling on this trip around the sun. But when we dial it down into this room, into a group of believers, I'm talking about us who are living with Jesus as the headline, then we've got to come from a whole new perspective. We've got a whole other thing that's going on. And I don't mean that we need to turn our back on like threats to humanity or justice or righteousness by any stretch of the imagination. But I just wonder... You know, how many of us in this travel group, in this room, followers of Jesus, have at one time in their lifetime seen their enemy or someone that they've looked at and defined as the epitome of evil incarnate as someone who is created by and for Almighty God? And you said that we may disagree 1,000%. 
We may disagree, but you are a person of dignity because you are a human being. And while we may disagree, I've got the ability and the power and the access to Almighty God. So you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And I think the beginning point and the deciding point probably between more division and more understanding, not even believing that we're all going to agree on everything at the end of the trip, is whether or not we can see people as human beings. And we can understand the precious gift that is in every one of us that is the image of Almighty God. We've got to start there. Okay, the second thing. Are we okay? We doing all right? The second thing I want to encourage us to think about this year on this trip is that we would seek to understand. Now, we're putting this image up on the screen of a particular part of our world. And this is the Middle East. This is probably the most tension-filled area of the entire planet. But look at that image once. I don't see a rocket installation there. I don't see barbed wire fences. I don't see animosity. I don't, I don't see really any of that, right? I don't see even nations when I look at that, that image. I don't see anything except for God's creation. And I think an image like this just helps us to remember that we're all on this planet together. And somehow, maybe for some of us, that this year the best thing that we can do to be peacemakers is to seek to understand. Now, even in saying that, <laughs> I already know that, that some of you are like, Sean, well, I don't need to understand. I already know what I think I know about everything, <laughs> right? And that's the point. You know, if we were on a solo trip, that would be okay. That would be fine. But how many of us understand what the other person thinks? And you're like, well, it's not going to change my mind, so. <laughs> but the goal of a conversation is that it would help us all to understand where other people are coming from. And I'll tell you why this is important. Conversations help the process of us unifying with each other and giving them the respect of being a human being, right? And so, and if you can't have a conversation, then there's not going to be much of a chance for understanding. So I want to encourage us to seek to understand. You know, we've said from day one, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of what? Is it a heart of oratory skills so that we can present our argument and absolutely bury that person that we disagree with? Teach me to number my days so that I will be more bold and confident that I'm absolutely right. Teach me to number the days and give me just a glimpse of perspective so that I can gain a heart of wisdom. And I believe wisdom is something that all of us can put up at the top of our priority list this year. And I would invite you maybe as an act of trust and a supernatural God, because that's who he is, to invite someone that you disagree with in your neighborhood, your family, your business, your school, invite them over and just say this. Just say, hey, well, let's, let's do lunch. And you know what? You, you and I, we know this. We see things completely opposite. We see things completely different. Could you just talk over lunch today and maybe just help me understand your point of view? And I'm not here to rebuff. I'm not here to fight back. I'm not here to start a war. I just want to understand, if I can, a little bit more of what you're thinking. 
And I tell you what, it's conversations like that where I learn and grow the most. Jesus taught, listen, Jesus taught that we, us, the church, should model unity through diversity. That they would know us by our what? By our love. And we get to model that for our community. Unity within diversity. We've talked about that before this last year too, that the people of God working side by side for common goals. But even here in Rapid City, South Dakota, there are tension points, aren't there? And so as a white boy who grew up in the Midwest, there's really no way that I can even ever fully understand what minority culture is like, even as I've married into it. And so if I just, just dismiss that and say, well, I didn't break any treaties. Well, I didn't own any slaves. I didn't bomb any churches. That was somebody else. That wasn't me. That's a closed-minded view of life. And it's not opening ourselves up to the possibility that someone else has a viewpoint and a way of life and a lens that they didn't even ask for that's radically different than mine. And if I really want to seek to understand someone's side and their view, I've got to try and choose to understand. What do you feel right now? And even if I just pick one issue, one out of hundreds of issues, it's a step forward, right? And listen, I, I get it. It's in our nature to want to get around people who agree with us and we want to cloister together. But the big thing is, the idea that we're trying to communicate this morning is that we're all traveling together. <laughs> and somehow we've got to strive to understand one another. And listen, big issues, you know, we know this are not simple and so you can't argue or fix them by, or make things right by your two daily posts on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. It's, it's a call to raising attention for other people in the room who normally wouldn't get a seat at the table and listening to perspective from a, another point of view. There are issues, there's big important issues, life, death, justice, equality, that we all need to seek to understand through more, listen, through more than just partisan channels. It's not a Republican thing, it's not a Democrat thing. Because there have been, listen, there, there have been Republicans, there have been Democrats time and time and time and time and time and time again that have tried to end abortion, that have tried to, uh, you know, pave a, a path to fair American citizenship, citizenship, all sorts of really important, big discussions, and it breaks down in division. So presidents will try to step up and, you know, circumvent the, the process, right, somehow, and yet our government still seems like, why can't we get it figured out, Right? So here's the thing, our journey around the sun is happening. And yes, there are some big issues that we, we all are not gonna agree on, but can we, the people and our governing leaders, not find a way with the smartest men and women in America to find a pathway where we can all move forward and tackle some of the big issues in our world? And it might be idealistic or, or seem that way, but I believe that scripture is speaking to it right here. And if, and if you sit down with the, with the average person and say, you know, well, I feel like, you know, X, I feel like this, this, and this, and, and this is what I know, and I'm getting informed, and I'm going to read up on it. That's important. Knowledge is powerful, and it always has been. Proverbs 17 speaks to it. Now, listen what it says about it. It says, the one who has knowledge 
uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they kept silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. But see, the difference is in our culture, maybe I could even say in America right now, people equate knowledge with volume. If I, the longer I talk and the louder I talk and the more I post, the wiser I am. We see a lot of that in our social media feeds, right? And it's dead wrong. See what scripture says here? The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. The third thing that I would encourage us to do is to champion civility. The scripture says a soft answer turns away wrath. Because what happens? We're all loaded up. We're all fired up. We're all teed up with our assumptions. And a lot of times we just want somebody to provoke our assumption. And as soon as they do, there's like this explosive response, right? But a soft answer turns away wrath. And a soft answer can shift the tone. And a soft answer can change the whole conversation. And just the attitude that I'm not going to assume that I know what you're thinking, but I'm going to actually let you tell me what you're thinking before I react to what I thought you were thinking. <laughs> we, we, we've got to break those assumptions and it's us. Listen, it's us followers of Jesus who have the best chance to do it. Here's an assumption that we hear all the time. And we'll, we'll get to a point of agreement and you've probably heard this before and somebody will say, well, I just don't have anything in common with you. You ever hear that? I don't have anything in common with you. Well, that's enough of this conversation because we don't have anything in common. And can I just say without, I'm, I'm not trying to be offensive this morning, but that's, that's an ignorant phrase because I want, you to, I want us to think about it this morning. We're living on planet Earth together. We even saw the picture earlier, you know, we showed the, the picture of our atmosphere. We've got thin atmosphere in common, you know, and if something happens to that, it doesn't matter, you know, what you and I think about it because we're all out of here, we're gone, right? Think about this. What if we thought about things this way? Here's where I want us to get our perspective this morning. We're both created in the image of God. We've got that in common. We were both created by our God and, and we have access to God through Jesus Christ. We have that in common. We both share probably a lot of things in common. We have, we have life through Jesus. What about things like human trafficking and the 40 plus million people that are trapped in slavery? We both care about that. So let's not wait. Let's lock arms now and do something about it together. We care about the homeless population in Rapid City and how they're cared for and treated. So let's, we've got that in common. Let's do something about that. We care about the welfare of the kids in the schools and we have that in common. And so we owe them as adults to fix that situation so they can get the best education that we can give them. We've got that in common. We've, we've got all of that in common. We've got the safety of our streets in common. We've got the welfare um, of our city's economy on our minds. We've got a lot in common. And so for someone to say, oh, you think that, and I think this, then we don't have anything in common. And then the next assumption is usually, well, then I just, I don't have anything to say to you. And we cut off the conversation and it stops there. My contention is, well, then we got to think harder because we have this shared treasure of this precious planet that we are traveling on together and we're on a trip traveling together and this is for us that we're talking about and none of us can change the reality that there's a diverse you know world around us 
And so I know it sounds trite, but we're just going to have to learn to agree to disagree and in a civil tone. And we're going to have to, some of us, lower our voices and potentially implode social media because what, what, what social media has done is it's kind of erased all the margins. And how many of you know if you don't have margins, there's never going to be room uh, for, for understanding to really take place if you don't have any margins. If we're on the razor's edge so that one word pushes you and me out of a conversation, then we are on a collision course to a more divided world coming into 2021. And so we've got to champion civility on this trip. Number four, we've got to persuade in love and lifestyle. So what do we mean by that? What does God's word say again? They will know we are Christians. How? Because we argue better. <laughs> we argue, but they'll know we're Christians by our comment in the comment section that spells out why we're right. Nope. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But what about the truth? Okay, well, let's, let's see what scripture says about that. Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth, but speak it in love. Speak the truth. Speak it in love. Lead with a lifestyle of love. And I want to encourage you this year to think about the question again. If Rapid City looked at this travel group, us, right here, Destiny Foursquare Church, as a test case for this year, would we win them to Jesus at the end of our trip because of the way that we love each other and the way that we love them? Now, listen, I don't mind if somebody says, I disagree with you. I can handle that. I know in life, people are going to disagree with me about black licorice. I like black licorice. <laughs> so you, you can just shush <laughs> no we'll have a conversation afterwards <laughs> so I'm okay with that people can disagree with me but what I don't want said about me in my lifetime is that he didn't love me or he didn't care and so you know what I believe you can disagree with people and you can still love them. You can absolutely disagree with people and you can still love them. And still lead with love and with a lifestyle that says, you be the judge of whether Jesus is the way in 2021 because I want to show you with a lifestyle of, of love. Really quickly, something that I keep coming back to when I think about the year 2020, back in May, we had a special guest, Tiffany Marez um, of Via Love International, and she shared her heart and moved many of yours. And on our trip around the sun in 2020, traveling together, we partnered to give, if you're with us at that time of the year, to give enough two-week rations of food and supplies to over 900 families in Honduras who were tragically in need. That was a big deal. And um, so that was a couple months into the pandemic, and some people would say, who would do that? Some people, you know, would, would, would question, you know, what a waste of time and resource to give away food in a country that is the murder capital of the world. A country that doesn't respect the welfare of its people. What a waste of energy that was. Well, on top of that, 
destiny towards the end of the year, we added to that amount towards uh, the, the later in the year, I think it was November. Um, Tiffany approached us again, there was a need. And if you remember, we came together and we rallied resources to build a shelter and a kitchen to feed orphans that Via Love cares for. And then uh, shortly after construction started on this facility, um, some of you will remember in December, there was two uh, just enormous hurricanes that kind of crushed through Central America. And Honduras is right in the middle of both of them. Cities and villages were kind of just reduced to rubble and mud. Um, and it was a crisis that kind of erupted before the world's eyes. Children and families you know, were all of a sudden with, without homes. And the opportunity arose this last year through this incredible partnership that we've only just begun with Via Love to offer help and shelter um, and hope. And so I want to show you a video um, this morning because that kitchen and shelter is almost done and it exists. It exists. It's almost done. Um, but it exists right now and the plan for it is to be, yeah. to be um, done hey, Pastor Sean, in just another Pastor month. Church, Tiffany, Pastor Jose, Pastor Anubia, here in Santa Barbara, Concepcion del Sur, Honduras. Um, thank you for your patience with us between two hurricanes and COVID and a death in our team and all kinds of other stuff. Our project has been a little bit delayed, but we are happy to announce that we are at work again with uh, the kitchen and feeding dining hall um, project. So we just wanted to kind of show you guys right now we're standing in what's going to be the kitchen. So here we'll have like the refrigerator and the stove, um, counter space, all back here we'll have the sink, counter spaces where the ladies can be prepping the food here. We got a window here. We'll have all of our cabinets and storage area over here to keep our food and our dishes and all of that. Um, and then right over here, we'll show you where we'll be building the dining hall as well. Mm. So coming out of the kitchen here, this whole area is gonna be the dining hall. So we're gonna have a wall up to here and then we'll have it um, closed in where the breeze can come through. Um, and we'll have the kids' tables and chairs. It'll come all the way out to here. So we'll be able to feed 50, 60 kids at a time. We'll be able to do activities with them, uh, with our discipleship program and music classes and all of the other things that God has allowed us to do. But we're so thankful for your partnership in this. We're hoping to be done within the next month to be able to start serving the kids from the space. So thank you guys so much for your support. We love you and we can't wait to have you here with us in Honduras. God bless. Can we just celebrate that this morning? Now that is a beautiful thing that we were able to do together. This group of people, this travel group on this trip around the sun. And some of you know a little bit more about that backstory. It's hard for me to share about, but because Tiffany's a friend of ours, but um, she was furloughed in, in the States for most of this year and wasn't able to travel back to Honduras um, because of travel restrictions, because of COVID and just went back three weeks ago. And um, long time She had a long-time relationship with this young man. His name is Elias, four years. Um, and the girls know him, and he was driving them around on the last trip they were down there. Um, he proposed to her the day she arrived back in Honduras about three weeks ago. 
He was the, the guy that was leading this building project that we funded together, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. He proposed, he got down on his knees, asked for her hand in marriage. He contracted COVID and passed away 10 days later. And so Tiffany, when she filmed this video, you know, she, she mentioned that there was a loss on the team. That was Elias. But as I watched this video and she shared this video with me this week, it's just the, the beauty in the ashes. It's kind of what I was thinking of. God uses his church to rise up. This is gonna be a, a beautiful place for orphans who don't have families to be fed. 50 to 60, she said, and discipled in this place that we together on this trip on the sun, we did that together. And we did that for a couple reasons. Number one, we did that because we could, right? There are a couple hundred of us and we knew that if everybody kicks in, we can do this. We, we can gather our resources and we can do more good together than we could by ourselves. And so we did that because we could. And the second reason is because that we knew that we couldn't physically travel ourselves and preach the good news of Jesus in Honduras during a pandemic, but we certainly could lead with love and our lifestyle. And we could say that the same God that's moved our hearts is moving on us to come and resource and put that building in a place for you. So I, I know there are cynics out there and we all have a tendency sometimes to fall into that line and somebody's gonna be there, you know, saying, oh, congratulations, you know, for building a kitchen on Honduras and one of those kids is gonna grow up and they're gonna do, you know, who knows what somewhere in the world to peace-loving people one day and you could get credit for that because there's always somebody, right? But how narrow-minded is that and how devoid of grace is that way of thinking? And do you realize this morning that God gave every one of us that opportunity when we were born? Because for every one of us, he knew that the moment that we were born, we were capable of a mini revolt against him and that we could potentially destroy our own lives and those of, of, of those around us. And so he still said, I'm gonna give you son and I'm gonna give you daughter this chance to be born and a chance for grace to come into your story. And that's what it looks like to lead with love. And here's the last thing and we'll close. As I wanna encourage you on this trip, all the things that we've already talked about, to respect human dignity, to seek to understand, to champion civility, to persuade others around you, not in your arguments, but with your love and with your lifestyle. And number five, to work on your micro as if your micro was the macro. In other words, put it another way, work on the little things as if the little things were the big things. Because most of us are not gonna sit at the table where the conversations are gonna happen that are gonna be changing the big things in the world this year. But many, if not all, or most of us have a relationship that's broken right now, do we not? And all of us have the opportunity to repair the breach on this trip around the sun. And I wonder if we were to just ask God, put in my travel guide this year, put in my journal this year, the name of one person that maybe I'm at odds with, right now, that maybe um, there's been division with right now, that there's been animosity with, maybe even right now, and I wanna make it my mission this year by the grace and the power of God to seek and repair that relationship on this trip around the sun. And again, I'm not saying that all the consequences of wrongdoing are gone. I'm not saying, you know, that we're gonna go on vacation together. I'm not saying, you know, that maybe we'll go back into business together. I'm not saying that we're gonna get back into a relationship, uh, you know, or ever date again, if that's the relationship you're in. But there's animosity there and I know it and they know it. And in that situation, Romans 12, 18 is a great roadmap for us. And I wanna end with this scripture today. As far as it depends on you, 
the scripture says. Live at peace with everyone. Don't cop out on what depends on them. Do what you can as far as it depends on you. And I wonder if there's a relationship. Think about all the people that walked into this room in this room this day or you're watching online, all the people are gonna watch the archives of this. If all the people in that collective, there's hundreds, hundreds of relationships that could potentially be repaired this year if we all decide to do it. And if we saw our micro as a seedbed for changing the macro, now we're heading in the right direction. And so I don't just have an opinion about you know, the big things and about them and what's wrong with them and what they should change. Here's, here's what I'm saying this morning. This is what I'm saying. God, what about my heart? What do you want to change in me? What about my attitude? What about my unforgiveness? What about my judgmental spirit? What do you want to change in me? Is there something that I can do to make peace with somebody in 2021? Because I want to do that. Because I want us to end on this trip around the sun less divided and more united. And I know right away where the spirit, where that division is in my relationships, I know it. And you probably know it too. And I want to be a person who can repair the breach, not through my power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. And I want to come to the foot of the cross and look up one more time and be amazed and stunned at the fact that my sin is canceled and my debt is buried. And I want to dig a hole at the foot of the cross and bury the hatchet with my friend, with my family member, whoever it is, and say, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with you on this trip around the sun. They might not answer your email or your letter or your phone call or your invitation to coffee or your text. They may rebuff your apology, but as far as it depends on you, you can grab a hold of peace and you can get 100% resolution as you choose to forgive and as you choose to let go and as you seek restoration in that relationship this year. And isn't that an amazing thought? Because it's easier for us to just pray and hope for world priests like, you know, every Miss University contestant, you know, that's ever, you know, gone down that road. And then to bring it down to it's you and me. It's you and me. And what can I do to humble myself? To count my days in order to gain a heart of wisdom. To gain a new perspective and to reach out an olive branch of peace to you and say, as far as it depends on me, I wanna make peace in that war and I wanna reflect Jesus in this way. What a possibility and what a hope for us on our trip around the sun, amen. So Father God, grant us and give us the ability to just, I like how Patricia said it this morning, how you spoke to her, to us this morning, just let us lean into you and rest in you. Because when we can do that, God, it changes our perspective. When we can see people through your eyes and not ours, God, you see them as created in your image and that, first of all, changes everything. So give us that perspective this year. Lord, I, I wanna be a peacemaker and we want to be a church filled with peacemakers. You come as the Prince of Peace, God, and we wanna be your hand outstretched to a world that needs you, to a world that's very divided right now, to a world that's very disparate and separated in so many different ways. 
May your church be a model for the rest of the world to be walking in unity, to do beautiful things like creating, just coming together and building that, that kitchen and that shelter in Honduras. God, to do your work and to minister to those kids and to feed those kids. What an amazing thing that you did through the unity of your church. God, let's see more of that in us. You do it, Lord. In your mighty name, amen.